Okay. All right. So let's do this then. <coughs> Wait, I've got post. <laughs> you have post? Hold on for a moment. Is it uh, a, a Google Plus comment on memorable quotes? Yeah, it is. From the Twin Peaks show? It's a world of truck drivers. Beulah. I don't remember that. It was in the uh, whatever that nasty hive of scum and villainy that's oh, like right e, off of that. E, yeah. Someone was saying that it kind of was a little bit of a brothel. Or were you saying that it was a brothel? No. I didn't get that impression. I didn't get that impression either. I saw that somewhere. I was like, oh, the brothel. I'm like, that wasn't a brothel. No way. It's not dressed up enough to be a brothel at all. Not remotely. Unless it's like total underground living room brothel. I have a feeling that perhaps that guy... Oh, are we... Sorry, are we talking about this too early? Hi, and welcome to From the Red Room. <laughs> See, I did it again. Look at that. Thank goodness for normalization. <laughs> All right, so um, today we're going to start uh, coming back around to uh, Twin Peaks The Return. And I think we've got, what, five, six, and seven to chat about. Plus, I'm sure we'll dip a little bit into one, three, one, two, three, four. Uh, and just where, where kind of where we are today, where we are, where we're expecting it to go. Talk about some of our previous uh, predictions or hopes and things and, and how things kind of went some ways and what didn't go some ways. It's been a lot of fun. It's been great. Guillermo, welcome once again to The Red Room. Thank you very much, Rich. I'm <laughs> honored to be here uh, to complete a trifecta of appearances. Ah, uh, yes. Maybe we could do a quartet or quadrilogy, but I won't hold my breath. What? Why not? <laughs> I was really hoping for it. <laughs> it's kind of uh, the, the the plan. But uh, hey, if you don't want to, you don't want to come. No, come I totally want to come. I'm well, saying. then why wouldn't we? Okay, good. All right. Okay, it's on. You know what? Let's not even give it a number because it could just. Yeah. Once the series is over, that doesn't mean we can't return to talk about other things. Of course. Projects, passions, <laughs> exciting uh, developments. <laughs> but back uh, to Twin Peaks: The Return. But back to Twin Peaks: The Return. So we were just talking about. The strange shack in the forest. Yeah. Was it in a forest? Yeah. Well, it was in a wooded area. Mm. But uh, I think, like, maybe that is the drop-off point for the designer Chinese drugs. Like, maybe okay. they're just kind of, like, they pass through there or are stored there. That's my guess as to why that place is guarded by gunpoint and why Urzat's coop knows about it. Hmm. I don't have a problem with that. I don't know that we'll, we'll see it again, though. It was an interesting little, like, stopping point. And he said hello and moved on. Well, and he grabbed his two His people. two flunkies, his two, uh, yeah. oh, I don't know. Uh, that girl was hot. The, yeah. what was her name? See, I've already forgotten. See, it starts See? with a D. It's like Darla or. <laughs> <laughs> when I hear Darla, I'm sorry, but I always think of uh, Buffy and Angel. <laughs> oh. But it was, it was something like Darla. I think about what's her bucket from the club. But anyway, uh, um. <laughs> Yeah, that girl. Yeah. So model actress. She's dead. Dead, totally dead. Totally Although gone. she could appear in the dead. red room again. She could. With her eyes sewn up. True. Yeah. Uh, so we I I heard someone's comment on I don't recall where I saw it. The return is not just the return of Twin Peaks, maybe the return of Dale Cooper. I think that the theme is coming along all over the place. I think we'll see the return. Um and I asked this question, and I don't know if I if I got the answer. Do you think that Dale will come back in a in a flash of lightning, or is it going to continue to be slow build like this? Well, I think this last episode had the muscle memory um, FBI Ooh. agent training 
totally happen where he disarms the uh, dwarven assassin. Yes. And um, I think that's probably the most strong indicator beginning of it. We don't mm-hmm. really see him very much after that. He kind of like stops, looks up at the statue again, and then that, mm-hmm. and then it's like, let's start doing the interviews with the crowd. So um, I'm hoping next episode... I think it's, but I think the the idea of the return. I think when so far this many shows and seven shows in, when we're looking for uh, a central theme, because I mean, obviously with season one it was you know who killed Laura Palmer. Mm-hmm. The season two it was like why and how, um, and what are the what are the consequences of that, um, and this of course being a a later uh, consequence of all of that of Dale's coming back. Um, yeah, that that's the thread, that that's what it is. It's Dale returning. Do you think there'll be any type of a showdown? There has to be. I think that's going to be the climax, and it may not happen in the very last episode. It may be more like a, um, a Greek five-act tragedy where it happens mm-hmm. in the third act. So, um, you know, maybe episode 12. I don't... I, that's a good uh, guess point, but I don't know that I've ever seen anything remotely like that in anything he's done as i mean it's probably just escaping my memory anything that lynch has done where there's necessarily a uh, climactic hero versus villain kind of like scenario it's always very played down or even like even with Wyndham Earl, there was never like this grand blowout kind of fight uh, it was all just it was all psychological which it doesn't mean it can't be but where's where's this going to end up is it going to be just a smooth transition what there's always been something clever in lynch's work where things suddenly reach a flipping point Mm -hmm. um where suddenly identities shift Mm -hmm. um things return but in a different form um yes different characters like say lost highway or say mulholland drive and i think part of this um, the showdown may have something to do with that, um, but we'll see what he does with it. Yeah. Part of me wants to see some type of resolution, but then I think we've talked about that before too. Part of me doesn't really need the resolution because I've enjoyed 20 years of discussing even the first two seasons, so I'm going to enjoy another 20 years talking about this. Well, I, th- I think the defeat of, of Urzat's Dale, if that's truly what, what happens, won't mean that the... Um, the denizens of the Black Lodge won't stop trying to sow sorrow, won't stop trying to make incursions into the regular world. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's just going to be kind of Dale's small victory, but it's going to be in the face of the ongoing struggle of the things that are always in the forest and the owls that are never what they seem. Maybe we close the gate, maybe we seal that evil back into the woods. Like they talk about, the Bookhouse Boys have always been there to fight it. They've always been there to keep this evil kind of in check. And now it seems like that evil has gotten loose. And then maybe that's part of why we're seeing all these different sites all over America. So do you believe Wyndham Earl was a catalyst? I think so. Okay. Speaking of Wyndham Earl and wizards, <laughs> Balthazar Getty. Yes. What do you think? Dark wizard? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if we're if we are uh, going to the conceit that there is a Lynch verse, uh-huh. um, then perhaps I kind of want to sit down and rewatch Mahal and Drive. To be honest, 
I am all for that. Natalie's <laughs> never seen it. We can sit down and rewatch. All right, cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, you have the the kind of uh, vagrant figure in Mulholland Drive, and in this return, you have a vagrant figure who was uh, the, his head floats away in the cell. Mm-hmm. Um, you have him coming down the sidewalk here, the sidewalk, the hallway in episode seven mm-hmm. toward um, Lieutenant Knox or whatever mm-hmm. her rank is. Um, and we don't really know what that's about or what he represents or if he's actually diegetic and not metaphysical or both. Um, you know, is is he death? Is he um, some sort of embodiment of, of the mystery? Um, who knows? But... Uh, you know, I mean, there's so much show left to kind of spool out that we, yeah. we don't really know. Can I throw something out there that I don't know, but he yeah. seems kind of dirty. You said the vagranty looking thing. I think he's beyond dirty. Beyond dirty. I think he's like, like an blackened. almost like Ebon figure. He is so <laughs> filthy. Do you recall in Firewalk with me when uh, the two, when uh, Jack Bauer... <laughs> Kiefer. <laughs> Kiefer. When Kiefer and uh, Chris Isaac are having the conversation in the trailer with uh, Harry Dean Stanton and this kind of vagrant looking woman comes to the door and she's got a like an ice pack over her eye or she's holding something. She just very slowly walks up to the door and like peeks in and then withdraws and just like packs up. No one comments on it. No one says anything. And then the Harry Dean Stanton character just makes comments. That's when he says, I've been places and I don't want to, I just want to stay where I am. But that character, nothing ever comes of her. I'm wondering if she's related to this other dark character that we're seeing. Interesting. Hadn't thought about that. Had you, do you recall seeing her? Honestly, you see no. Scene? It seems like such a, a fleeting moment. It really was. And that's what I thought the scene in the jail cell was. Just fleeting, like oh, okay, that's another one of those weird, dark characters that may not have any kind of portent at all. Huh. Well, I'm, I'm, I, you know, back to the the idea of the incursions into the regular world from the Black Lodge. I think we have these these wizards, or creatures, or spirits, or demons, whatever you want to call them, um, Dugpas, uh, that feed on misery and sorrow and I think a big part of achieving that goal is to strip away some of the order of the universe to have a kind of um, environment where chaos can be sown Um, and I think I would think that maybe if, if that is correct if that supposition is correct then the more weirdness occurring as things go forward um, is a result of that. So seeing these, this kind of strange, you know, perhaps half medical, metaphysical figure walking down, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, the morgue, uh, <laughs> the morgue police station <laughs> hallway, you know, whatever he's actually doing there, because he's obviously not in the waiting room. Yeah. Like, should he even be there? Probably not. Um, no is, hall pass. Right. What are you doing? Yeah, right. Yeah, he ain't a cop. Like, yeah. what, is he undercover? No. So is is part of that. And um, I don't know, that could just be me reaching for some sort of overarching explanation. But, I mean, uh, I, it kind of makes sense. Kind of the difference, though, um, and I'm like I said, I'm just kind of throwing ideas out there because that's part of the fun. 
the difference between those two characters for me is that there's definitely a sense of dread. There's a there's a menace. There's a threat almost implied in the current return with the character with the the, the vagrant walking down the hall. There's definitely a sense of uh, oncoming danger, almost. It's it's a lot more present than there was in Firewalk with me with that character. I'm trying to liken it to. So I don't know if it's if there's any kind of relation at all. Just the physical manifestation of that character, their their look was similar to me. Well, I mean, let's talk about the vagabond. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is is that what we're going to call that character, the vagabond? Sure. Let's okay. get archetypal with it. Cool. <laughs> um, you have people in society who live in the fringe of society, who come out of nowhere. I mean, they'll be in your car window and they'll ask you for money. Mm-hmm. They will spange up in your face, and they've got nothing to lose. No. And that in its own way is threatening because they're already existing outside of societal rules. So um, by the same token, Lynch may be using that idea. Hmm. Oh, and then... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's using, he's using the figure of the vagabond mm-hmm. in order to convey this, this something from the outside, this kind of um, creature from the outer world. Um, coming in and doing as they please uh, and you feel this kind of friction against um, the comfort the comfortable normal ordered world that you know we know that has the pancakes and the coffee (laughs) all right I'm liking that it'll be interesting to see where that goes because again I didn't expect to see the character again so cool crazy what else (laughs) What else indeed, Sorry, Mitch? Do you see is, that I just enjoy picking at your brain? Is because Di- I like the way you think. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, is Diane a working girl? <laughs> Ooh. Is Diane a working girl? What's your your uh, basis for that idea? So I'm not saying no, but... This guy answers the uh, doorbell at her apartment. Okay. He's busy getting dressed. It's later in the day. Okay. Um, he doesn't seem too concerned that these two obvious cop-like figures, federal agents, mm-hmm. are coming there to visit her. If he were a boyfriend, if he were a lover, he would have stuck around to make sure that she would have been okay in their presence. Instead, he nonchalantly <laughs> says bye, blows her a kiss, and leaves. And he's out. But if he was involved in some type of um, illegal activity, you think he would have been nervous at the sight of some feds. You know, he didn't seem he didn't seem to care that way either. Well, maybe he thought they were Johns, or maybe he thought they were possible some sort of pimp network. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. Okay, so let's let's suppose that she is a working girl. Um, are you saying that she has become such in the wake of the stuff that's gone on? Or was was she previously? I mean, because they they say that your your previous boss Coop. Um, so I don't. You think she became a working girl? Is that yes. What you're saying? Okay. Yeah, huh. I think post FBI. That's interesting. And she's so incredibly nasty to everybody. Oh, it's awesome. She's fantastic. Oh, she is fantastic. Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Let's hear it for Laura Dern. Rules. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's a joy to watch mm-hmm. and she's a joy to look at and she's she's really amazing and it's it's not what you would have expected. This woman who 
you know, perhaps you suspected was matronly, <laughs> who, you know, or motherly, who sent totes and ear earplugs. earplugs. Yeah, to Dale, <laughs> yeah. right? And, um, but no. Yeah. And who's clearly been an ear for Coop because he says, you know, like, oh, you've heard me tell that story a time or two, haven't you, Diane? There's definitely like this caring motherly kind of like vibe in the first. And then we get the Laura Dern portrayal of Diane. Right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, ostensibly, maybe she could have been nasty beforehand. I mean, he puts up with Albert, but he respects Albert okay. for his skill set, for what he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe Diane was always incredibly nasty but i don't think so i think something has made her so something turned her post cooper and you think who put forth the theory it was it was justin and michelle both thought possibly that that uh doppelganger mr c like had attacked her post red room after season two ends could be or could have like abused her or used her i mean it could have been bob inside of Urzatsdale, um deciding that he kind of wanted to have her way with her and maybe they seduced her and oh I remember you know what I liked your theory better I like that and then decided to kind of abuse her within the process of that because they could have had this relationship that was on the verge constantly maybe there were feelings one way or the other that weren't reciprocated or maybe she you know maybe she had had a thing for Dale kind of in the Audrey vein and then he shows up and he takes advantage of those feelings and oh hey surprise I'm Bob exactly yeah peace yeah okay yeah now that I'm on top of you yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. I um you know yeah that's that's kind of how I think maybe uh, the backstory could be um, you know because I mean like real Dale would never actually consummate that even if there were no, exactly. feelings there because he's like no you're my assistant envoy uh, person. I can't sleep with you. That's just mm-hmm. never going to happen because I'm the Boy Scout. I'm, you know, that it's outside of my ethical purviews. Because he is the moral golden compass of look, this is how yes. it is. Oh, exactly. Yes. No, I agree. And that's that's one of the things that makes him the character that he is. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Sorry, just enjoying a nice sip of my devil's cut. That's all right. What I'm are you enjoying? enjoying this voodoo American stout. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to do product placement when we're not getting anything for it. <laughs> well, because it's honest. <laughs> it is, because it's honest. But if either of you are listening, <laughs> you're oh. more than welcome to send us a bottle or a sixer. <laughs> <laughs> we need to, to work on getting it out there more. Okay. So any other thoughts before I turn to my notes? <laughs> <laughs> um, about Twin Peaks? No. Let's, are we let's gonna, start with the notes. Let's, are, what are we going to do about that green blazer? Jesus Christ, Dale. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so who specifically is trying to get Mr. C back into the lodge? Oh, and no, let's, let's deal with that first. So, so why, why is he, is, is who, where's, where's Philip Jeffries in all this? Why are we trying to get uh, Mr. C back in the lodge? It seems like they, they, they're trying to. Is, are the denizens of the lodge, do they miss him? Has he been free too long? Are they jealous? What, what's going on there? I think Dale is incorruptible. He is the um, kind of Gawain figure, if you will, of the series. And to have him 
um, this guy who knows the most about them out in the real world thwarting their their goals or their aims is a threat to them so to imprison him in the lodge is the best move that they can make short of just killing him hmm I can get behind that as well and I I don't I given that Philip Jeffries was played by David Bowie I don't think we're going to see him. No, I don't think we will either. And I think that that's fine. I think that's good. And the idea that the the recording machine box that does contact Philip Jeffries suddenly um, implodes into a singularity and disappears <laughs> um, is is another another thing. I think that was that was kind of the catalyst for the assassin to go in and clean house to kind of get rid of loose ends. So there's no recording. So now now we're clear to to wipe people out. I'm not sure I understand what you're saying there. I I think that that when she called mm-hmm. and said the um, the office lady, the warrior, sure. she's a the warrior. warrior. Um, well, she won't be doing much worrying now. <laughs> <will she? laughs> it's over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> called. And said that the the goal of killing uh, Dougie wasn't achieved. That that kind of set in motion um, for the assassin to show up and get rid of um, kind of the loose ends that were watching that particular bit of the operation. Okay. I realize that's a very impartial explanation. <laughs> the, the, that whole, uh, you know, as much as I am really enjoy the mystery of so much of this, and I enjoy theories and things, the the drug angle and all of those things that are going on there are probably of the least interest to me for whatever reason. I like the them wanting to kill Dougie. Um, I don't, I don't really. It's like, well, well, that's cool. But what about the 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 apartment? What happened to that? And let's get back to the billionaire. Let's hear a little bit more about that too. Um, that stuff is really still kind of gnawing at the back of my mind and the missing the final missing page come on how excited were you when those pages oh my god I was so excited Mitch when Hawk cries those pages out of the bathroom door that was so cool yeah yeah Yeah, I was losing my mind I was I I think that there were tears welling up in my eyes as that was happening and there's still another page can I tell you what I think it is? Can I tell you where it is? Yeah, yeah. Because well, I, I thought I saw a reaction from you, too, when they were talking about, oh, there's still a page missing. Um, and I don't know. Maybe in this might be my memory failing me. But the page, uh, the torn piece of paper at the train car on the little pile of dirt, the fire walk with me page that was written in blood, I think it's torn off that page. Wherever that page might be, I don't know, but I think that that's the final missing page. That is a piece of that final missing page. I don't know where the rest of the page is, but I think that's where that came from, off that final page. Huh. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know where it is because it says it's, oh, it's, which is funny because how would you tell that a piece of paper was from a journal? But when Dale's like dictating, he's like in a piece of paper that looks like it's torn from a journal that uh, has the words fire walk with me. I think that's the last page that's missing. So would it have been missing from the evidence box? Perhaps that is part and parcel of what was missing 
that Hawk was supposed to find. I think that's I think that's what's missing. And obviously the little Indian head nickel and the Indian logo on the bathroom door. Those are all the things that have to do with the Fox stuff. I think that's out there. The Margaret yeah, has heritage. proven true once again. She she's good to go. Trust in <laughs> Margaret and trust in her log. That's right. <laughs> there you go. That's it. In log we trust. <laughs> so yeah, that was awesome. That was spectacular. I, I wasn't sure whether it would be Philip Gerard, but it was clearly, now that we know, it was, it was uh, Leland that hit those pages there. Where is Margaret's twin cousin that has the new, the log that gets past the log? Where are we going to get that? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm saying oh, my have, God. Are we going to get some Maddie-like uh, comments? Yes, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, God. she's gone, and, and, you know, I mean, I don't know. You could do something like Maybe that. Maybe she should come back. Yeah. And then the humming. Do you think it's Josie? That was my first admission, like thought. I was like, oh, it's Josie. Because the spirit contains m- the, the spirit. The wood contains many spirits. Well, yeah. Like I said, so, like I, I right after the show ended and we were talking about that, I think, I think you know, there's this weird possibility that perhaps um, her spirit could permeate not just the drawer knob, but the drawer and the nightstand and oh, the yeah. walls oh, and she's like throughout the, the whole place northern itself yes um because she she would suddenly become the sort of genus loci of the great northern because she's stuck there mm-hmm. um but she was very influential and very seductive and by that sort of passive active act has a lot of will um so there's that very well could be the source of the humming that can't quite be centered um, and the other possibility was that there was the uh, hidden behind the walls crawl space that something's going on there. But if somebody's looking behind there, it's kind of obvious. Yeah. Now, is there any connection between um, Margaret's husband who died and who we believed to be in the log, uh, or at least I believe to be in the log, uh, and Josie being in the Great Northern trapped in the wood? These woods contain many spirits. And victims of Bob, because Josie dies from the fear. She's quaking like an animal, to quote the, the series. And she dies, and Bob appears, sneaks in through a little crack in time, space and time, and then she's imprisoned in the, in the wood. She's there. Is there any connection there? Wow. So you think Bob might be responsible for the fire that killed the log lady's husband? I I don't know. I'm just wondering because he was present at Josie's death and then she's imprisoned. And now we have another spirit that's imprisoned in the wood. I I don't have any other connection than that. But is it a possibility? Because clearly Bob and and the the Black Lodge, they're eternal. They've been there forever. Certainly were there when Margaret's husband was alive. I don't know. Yes, he did die in a fire. If there was a fire fire that killed a bunch of people and, oh yeah, fire walk with me. Um. Yeah, sure. Bob could have used that as um, a, an avenue to gain more garambosia, more misery and sorrow, and to feed upon that. Um, yeah. Why and not? so maybe those spirits, because clearly the log is on our side, so maybe even Josie in her death could be trying to reach out to maybe be of some kind of help while she's in. Maybe she just wants to tell. You know, Ben, what to eat? You know, give him a little better. Like, I don't know, but maybe that's maybe she's reaching out in some way. I mean, we're like this. It seems like there's a lot being stirred up with the spiritual energy in the town at this point. Yes, something's got to give. Well, I mean, if if my 
my kind of thinking about the breaking down of um, natural order and physical laws is is valid, then yeah, sure, maybe Josie's influence is expanding. She's being able to be heard. Who knows? Maybe they'll do like an AVP and suddenly like <laughs> they'll, they'll they'll play it out and they'll be all like, Sheriff Truman. Eat more carrots. And, like, that'll that'll happen, you know. Okay. Could be. Come on, throw something out. What do you got? <laughs> what else? What else? <laughs> now, let's continue with the list, Mitch. Honestly, I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what's on there. What else is on the list? The other, Actually, it's um, the, the list has been getting into my, my head enough and kind of permeating my thoughts throughout the week that I think I already brought up most of those points. I'm like, oh, wait, I already brought that up, too. I already talked about that. I already talked about that. Um, and you know, I'm actually kind of waiting for some type of mention of the Bookhouse Boys. Have they, have they been brought up? Have we even seen, you know, there's no video here to show, but there's no finger to the finger side to of the, the side head. Of that eyebrow kind yes. of like yeah. sneaky The tell, thing. the yeah. secret signal. Yeah. Where's um, the secret signal? Where are the Bookhouse Boys? Well, I mean, if if original Sheriff Truman mm-hmm. is busy, unfortunately, dying of cancer, which seems to be the case, yeah, um, then that leaves um, Hawk and James, wait, James, James, right, and uh, well, that other dude who showed up in the house, anyway, uh, <laughs> Billy or whatever Billy, his yeah, name I think was, it was, it was Anyway, yeah. um, he had curly blonde hair. Right, right. Yeah, totally. So, like, it, it was a, such a very small um, cabal mm-hmm. of people. So, maybe uh, post uh, capture of Leland and disappearance of Dale Cooper, that maybe not so much has happened. Hmm. And so, perhaps they've decided, like, you know what? Dale put that to rest. Um, or at least they're making the false assumption that Dale put that to rest, and maybe perhaps they've they've kind of put it kind of on the back burner, mm-hmm. you know. And perhaps it's been so long, twenty years, that at this point they're kind of like, okay, well, yeah, you know, things have taken care of themselves. We're good, uh, which of course is not the case. <laughs> <laughs> the exact opposite. Yeah, I don't know. I I would disagree with you there because they they made such a big deal about men before us, men before them. This has been an ongoing brotherhood, this fraternity, the Bookhouse Boys. We've always been here, and we're always going to be here. I don't think they'd walk away. Yeah, but what second generation has occurred to take up the torch that is the Bookhouse Boys? What about um, Brando? <laughs> Brando's not even in Twin Peaks. He's too busy going up and he's, down he's, Highway he's... 1 and you know taking the 66 to like care about it. He's, he's rolling around out there patrolling like like possible escaped <laughs> denizens of the lodge. He's still a bookhouse boy. He's going to be a surprise. Oh, like, I like really... He's going to like show up in, in uh, episode 10 or 12, right before I... the showdown you're talking about, and he's going to be, hey, I'm... I'm <laughs> <laughs> bookhouse boys. Look, we're talking about a cast of 200 people. <laughs> we're not going to see some people earmarked again. for people. And I don't... I honestly, in that vein... I think people are going to only get X amount of time mm-hmm. to show, to act, to contribute to the overarching plot, and then just be out of there. So I think we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of like, you know, Saturday Night Live host kind of action. Like that's gonna be. I it. think we've already seen kind of that. 
which isn't you know that's that's cool i think a lot of people wanted to be a part of this who wouldn't oh my god wouldn't yeah (laughs) yeah i mean acting chance of a lifetime who knows if it's ever gonna happen again yeah so you know odds are no i mean you know yeah Hmm. i dare say that it it is uh, there are there are not many examples of this in television or film history really are there uh wasn't there a lot of kind of like cameos and fanboys well i mean stuff that's come back after years and years of being away and comes back and picks up in real time you know during that span and continues with the story and has this kind of fevered devotion and excitement surrounding it I'd say absolutely fabulous, but not so much the fevered devotion nor okay. excitement. I mean, it's kind of like, oh, that's coming back. Awesome. Hey, you that's kind of cool. I'm a BBC person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I kind of am. But um, shout out to you, Justin. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but no, not not on this uh, kind of cult level. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Come on, I'm I'm throwing a lot out here, and I feel like I'm kind of like fishing in the mind of Guillermo. I'm like throwing some stuff out there, and I'm digging, and I'm pulling, trying to pull things from you. Then ask like, me, Mitch. Ask I, me. Well, I know. But I'm wanting you to ask me. Bring something. What I want. I, this has been mostly my. Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, well, what do you think about this? Okay. Uh, the one thing I want to say uh, is that um, it's uh, my. Uh, second year wedding anniversary today so oh, you're kidding me i love my wife but i'm not oh. I'm, I'm not just trying to make like an out of out of out of turn segue you know what really happened after we got through watching episode seven is that on the ride home my wife crossed her arms and said i hope david lynch isn't tooling with me i don't feel that after seven hours of this show i have been given enough i feel that there isn't enough building of character for me to feel truly involved i don't feel that there is a center Hmm. to the show um that it all seems to be incidental and she was kind of like what the fuck is this guy sweeping peanuts up for for two minutes i mean that could have been millions of dollars of commercial endorsement on a network television. Yeah. So I I don't, at the end of the day, I don't want to feel played. I really don't. And honest, honestly, Mitch, she was angered almost to tears. Oh like, my God. I could see the wetness <sighs> in her eyeballs. And I was just like, baby, baby, you just, you got to trust in the lynch. And she was like, no, I don't. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, killing but, me. Oh my she, God. But she has a point. Okay. Because this is good. I don't want to get played. Yeah. You don't want to get played. We've been waiting so long for this. And it's, and it's brilliant that it's happening. And I don't know whether it's the fact that you and I are so satisfied that, um, this is occurring at all, that it doesn't really matter so much what he does as long as it actually happens Mm. just because we've been just, you know, waiting for this thing that we thought would never happen. And that that in itself is a satisfaction or even beyond that not thought would never happen never imagined could happen or would happen like it's not like oh i'm hoping it'll happen it wasn't even on my horizons yeah i had discounted it whereas my wife who watched the run of twin peaks with me my third or fourth time i can't remember which um you know maybe about a year ago you know um 
and then now this happens. And I, I think part of it is also that this generation of people, because um, I robbed the cradle, obviously, but honestly, <laughs> everyone out there, the cradle showed up on my doorstep, okay? That's just how it happened. That's if, what he says. If I didn't pick up the baby, somebody else would have. So I said, oh, yeah, baby, never mind. So, um, <laughs> that's the truth Ruth. <laughs> so um that the idea of appointment television the fact that you have to wait a week to see what happens is galling as opposed to like going out and buying it's a box agonizing. set or right or going to netflix yeah. and being like i'm gonna sit for the next eight hours i'm gonna see where this story arc goes it's gonna be like me reading the iliad from front to back yeah. um and and seeing what happens can i interject real quick when yeah. you guys watched it had there already been the announcement? Did she know this was coming? Because this has been coming for a while. Do you recall? Honestly, Mitch, I can't remember. I don't think the announcement had happened. I don't okay. believe so. Okay. All I know is that second night after we watched four episodes, we watched one, two, three, and four. We were so lucky to do that. Yeah. And then the second night, two weeks later, we watched episode five. I thought she might break something. <laughs> in a very <laughs> beautiful way of frustration of like, okay, let's go. She was ready to sit down and go again mm-hmm. and watch another three episodes. And that hurt me. I, I was, I was hurt for her. I was pained. No, I mean, obviously too. I was, a, I was, I would love to go on, but I, I kind of, I had already known I had expected it. I had already accepted this. Oh but man. I felt for her. Yeah, no, me too. And uh, and I was there with her. I was kind of like, oh my God, if I, if I could watch an episode six and episode seven, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's stream it right now. But um, no, I mean, that's kind of the, the, I mean, in this age of instant gratification uh, that we that we have of, of infinite choice and dearly infinite choice, mm-hmm. um, the fact that we are we are once again, you know, back back in 1990-91 and having to wait for next week's episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> I haven't waited for next week's episode in years. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> me neither. Years. And this is the, might be the only show that would make, make me do that. I can't think of anything else that would have brought me to that level of, of like, all right, I'm going to tune in again. Or that I would be uh, willing enough to do it because we both talked about, well, we could wait until it's all done and just marathon the thing. Right. But I would not be willing to accidentally come across some type of spoiler online. They would not. I would never risk that for this show. Of course not. For example, The Walking Dead. I watched that pretty regularly back in the day, but I would go three or four weeks and then catch up. I didn't care. Like if I did get a spoiler, I'd be like, oh, that's kind of a drag. Oh, well. But I would never risk that with this. So that's why I'm watching week to week. It's not worth spoiling it. Like, could you imagine had someone spoiled the Diane reveal to you? Oh, holy God. I, would, I might I might choke someone out. Mitch, that was totally your call, Shut too. Up. You were like, oh, it's going to be Diane. <laughs> I was, And I was like, no, it's going to be Annie. <laughs> so what happened to Annie? Like, that's another thing. They, they're not very clear. They're not clear. And I think maybe we'll hear more. But I didn't get the impression that Annie went on to be with Coop. Like after, I imagine he came out of the the lodge and he just hit the road. I don't think there was any. He didn't come back and woo her or deal with Annie at all. I think he just took off and Annie went hightailing it back to the nunnery. I don't know. <laughs> you think they take her back? 
<laughs> no, because she's danced with a man now, so it's not okay. <laughs> she's not all no, right. You can do that though. Can like, you? Look I have one of here. I mean, you know, I mean, maybe they made an exception because she's a queen, but okay, that's that's the deal. <laughs> it's like, oh well, you Guinevere, know. So now we're taking it back to more Arthurian, well, like imagery and like mention. Uh, what not, was it? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, we saw some more Arthurian, like like. Um, there was something else that was mentioned. It might have been a street name or a character. Do you recall? No. Because I mentioned it while we were watching. I was like, oh, it's just like Glastonbury Grove. There's an, oh, another yeah. Arthurian like um, You were saying nod. the street names were Arthurian. Yes. Yeah. Um, or something. And then there is the intersection where the, the uh, hit and run happens. Is that Sparkwood and Vine? Is that Sparkwood 21? What that, that There's so much. Oh, I hate this show. <laughs> Nonsense. You wouldn't be sitting here talking about it for an hour. If I you... love the show so much. Me too. I, I would just uh, get all up on that show. Like, oh, I love this show. <laughs> <laughs> if the show <laughs> had one. It's so good. Mm. I, I, it is. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, it, it, granted, who knows, maybe in, in 12 more episodes going to be like, Arr! but I mean, I, I, I think that's part of it, though. I, you know, I ran into a friend at a bar uh, recently, Drew Burke, uh, if you're out there listening, um, who was talking about, you know what? I love it. I I love its timing. It's sort of slow crawl. Um, and I I don't need the answers. That's the thing about it. Oh, this guy's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should meet him. I should. Anyway, um, yeah, he, he was just like, I don't need the answers. I don't, I hate it when people, he said, I hate it when people explain things. <laughs> and I hate it when you're given all the answers. Oh, I hate that. And and I said, well, you know, here's here's where we diverged. I was like, you, you know what? I don't want these long, drawn-out scenes of exposition. I'm smart. I can figure it out for myself. <laughs> but... At the end of the day, I do long for answers. I want answers. And I know, as with anything, you know, I'm going to go into the ground or some other option, and I'm not going to know everything. There's no way. It's never going to be handed out for you. But I kind of want to know enough. And, you know, if I if I get kind of enough to go on where I can fill in the blanks myself or at least I, I can be satisfied, then I'm cool with that. You know, and I think at the end of these 18 episodes, we're not going to be given all the answers. There's no way. We never are. But you want to be cool with that. And I want to be cool with that. That's the nature. That's the nature of the Lynchverse mm -hmm. um, in, in any of his vehicles. You are never completely 100 percent clear about what happened. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you are satisfied yeah. with it. You have been given this really strange bacon maple flavor of ice cream. Uh, that you can't get anywhere else and that is beautiful and wonderful and you're glad you've experienced. I don't think it could be summed up much better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that puts it, that's exactly how I feel about it. But I do think you want more answers than I do or you will be more satisfied with at least some answers. Whereas I'll be, we could get zero answers. It could keep going like this for all 18 episodes and I would have a slight sense of frustration but mostly I'd be like, well, let's pull up a chair and talk about it. Well, Mitch, let me ask you this. At the yes. end of season two, yes. when Dale's banging his head in the mirror. Yes. I mean, at that point, and then it ends and the credits roll. <laughs> were you like, 
oh, I'm okay with that? No, and, and I thought we <laughs> talked about this. No, I was absolutely not okay with it. And I totally credit Lynch, and I credit that scene in particular, that ending, to changing neural pathways in my mind that <laughs> altered my way of looking at the world and thinking because I scrambled to find the next tape. I was like, oh my God, we're, we're, I got to see what happens next. There were there was no next tape. Right. That was yeah. it. No, you did talk about this. Yeah. I'm re-saying this. Stuff. So yeah. I, I learned to embrace the uh, dissatisfaction. I learned to embrace the lack of an ending. I learned to embrace not having an answer because... I enjoy the feeling in my mind. I have no other way to describe it. I like the way my brain feels kind of sloshing around in the uncertainty and trying to define it for myself. And when I lay my head down to sleep at night, I go, okay, that was, that was a good little bath in the unknown. <laughs> and then we start again tomorrow. You know, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. I, uh, there's kind of a parallel. There's a, there's a, a book by Aleister Crowley called The Book of Lies. And every there's a there's a page that has a question. And the next page is an exclamation point, but then the next page is another question. So for every question, you get this amazing revelation answer, but that only raises another question beyond it, and that process never ends. And I I think that that may be an operating principle that is going on here. Mr. Crowley. Mr. Crowley. That Mr. Crowley. Yeah, that very Mr. Crowley. <laughs> that Mr. Crowley. Yeah. Well, as we kind of uh, round this out, and uh, it was kind of in my mind, I know that you've wondered like, oh, you know, what exactly are we offering? What are we putting out there? I think what we're putting out there is um, these beautiful thoughts and uh, musings that only you and I could have. Like, we are individual. And so is everybody else out there, out there. They can say what they want. Everyone can have their own theories. What we're putting out is our own. So I'm really excited about it. So as we kind of like tie this up and round it out, um, I, I want to end with the question of time. You actually made a, um, a comment a moment ago that had something about time. What's that? What's that? Checking the time? I was looking at the time. Yeah, we did pretty good. Here's the question of time. Um, the watches. Have you been watching this? Have you seen this? In the last few episodes, I wouldn't have caught it. This is this is all juicy J. And it's Rolex. The Rolexes. Okay. They keep showing up, and the, the time, and the idea of time, and um, oh, we didn't even talk about Major Briggs and the body. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, do you have something to say? Because well, I'm look, I'm in no rush. Look, look. I can drink Devil's Cut all night. <laughs> <laughs> Get to work tomorrow. Anyhow, um. So, yeah, I just finished my beer, too. I'm kind of like, well, I could yeah. use another, but no, I got to go home and feed those dogs. Okay. Um, so, oh, the, uh, the idea of the head floating through space, because okay. this body, Major Briggs's body, has no head. And it's also been untouched by time, because it's a, it, he's the age he was at his time of his disappearance. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um... In I'm 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 taking this back to Norse mythology because everything goes back to Norse lore. I think that's great. At least in my worldview, um, in that in those stories, there is the idea of a uh, all wise being 
Major Briggs, when he talks, it's deeply profound and it is perspective making. I mean, it's not just this guy's military and disappointed in some sort of like hoorah jarhead. No, no he has these almost cone like Havamal things to say to everybody. And in the lore, um, there is a being called Mimir who has all the answers. Um, and he gets bartered away to go live with this other group of gods with this other guy. And they make the other guy the head of their tribe of the gods. Um, but then they realize that he's not really leading things. It's really uh, Mimir. And they get mad at the fact that they feel they've been duped. Um, so they chop Mimir's head off and they send it back to the other group of gods. And they're like, here, we showed you, <laughs> you frauds. And um, what happens is that Odin grabs the head and he coats it in honey and he puts some spells on it and the head comes to life. And the head ends up becoming an advisor uh, to him which is completely weird and strange. So when I saw Major Briggs's head <laughs> floating through space and the fact that, that now that we know his body is headless, um, this is the first thing I thought of. Wow. I, I haven't seen any of that. Have, and you are obviously uh, schooled and versed in uh, Norse mythology and... Uh have you seen any other indications and has there been anything else that like reflected that? No, I haven't. And the funny thing is, is that I wrote this on a mirror, mm -hmm. um, months ago I put Mimir and it was after I woke up mm -hmm. over something, I forget what I was dreaming about, but I put Mimir, does he have anything to do with dreams or sleep? Because to Mimi, uh, is to sleep in Spanish. And it all could just be a mm -hmm. homonym that has nothing to do <laughs> with one or the other. But you know how in sleep you end up having sort of um, revelations, your subconscious kind of puts things together, which is kind of where a lot of this stuff is that Lynch comes up with. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so the idea of the head of Mir and the head of Major Briggs saying all these very profound things um, kind of like rang a bell with me. I said that there was a sudden kind of like, well, what? <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah, totally. So that that was kind of my first thought about the whole thing. I really don't know whether Lynch is, is versed in North Norse lore or anything like that, or whether he uh, just by uh, accident tapped into something like that. Some might say it's not accident. That's right. Some might say it's synchronicity. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and next time. <laughs> so, yeah, but I mean, apparently Major Briggs' head is still yes. out there. It's floating around. It's still saying profound things even after its death, even after its separation mm -hmm. with its physical corpus. And um, that that was kind of like, whoa to me, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, that's great. And that's another thing I really enjoy about it is everyone's coming at it from a different perspective, a different, um, uh, from different schools of thought, different educations, different uh, disciplines. And yours gave you that insight that I completely missed and <laughs> wouldn't connect. It's good stuff. 
Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. So next we speak. Hopefully it won't be quite so long between episodes. What's that look? <laughs> you watching that time again? Get your eyes off that time. <laughs> I know you well, got to feed the puppies. <laughs> I, I do. But there's one thing I'd like to address. Please. A previous guest on one of your shows was talking about when I'm an adult, I put away childish things. Mm-hmm. And they decided to use the inappropriate example of Speed Racer. <laughs> now, I'm not uh, saying that okay. everything out of this person's mouth is bad. No way. They're okay. an awesome guest, Mitch. Have them again. I'd okay. love to sit with them, too. Um, but a long time ago, uh, in fact, not actually so much of a long time ago, maybe like five, six years ago, I started watching Speed Racer. I didn't grow mm-hmm. up with Speed Racer. Um and I ended up uh, reverse engineering Speed Racer in many ways. It had a lot of um, depths to it uh, that you wouldn't realize because you're like, what? There's a chimp and there's a kid <laughs> in overalls and- He goes fast. What, he goes fast? Like, is that really the premise? No. It's not the premise. <laughs> it's the metaphor for the greater universal engine. So I wrote a blog quite a while ago called Reverse Engineering Speed Racer on my mm-hmm. blog, Dark Entries, that I would humbly ask him to read and humbly ask the rest of you out there to read because there's a lot about the hero character and a lot about the esoteric that Speed Racer actually masks and has in it. Ooh, I'm intrigued. <laughs> Having never like delved into Speed Racer at all in my youth or in my adulthood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you have to wonder like, why did the Wachowskis put this hundred million dollar movie on the market? And there are reasons. Um, and I love that movie, and I realize that kind of go against it goes against most audience reception and most critical reception. Never saw it. Oh man, it's actually beautiful. Really? Okay. Oh yeah, it's super stylized. It's wonderful. Um, uh, if you want to watch it, I'm we really totally should dead. have like a cinema night, like once a month. We alternate, and you bring in a, a movie that uh, the majority of the attendees have not seen. Like, hey, look, <laughs> no, take the time to watch this, and we're gonna watch it. And we're gonna talk about it. That'd be fun. You down? Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. And we'll watch Speed Racer. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Awesome. So where do we visit your blog? Um, dark Entries. Google search Dark Entries, Guillermo the Fourth, Roman numeral 4TH, and uh, Dark Entries will, will pop out. I've, uh, again, I've named it after the Bauhaus song. I was going to ask you, actually. Yeah. I had never had the opportunity to ask, and now we have the answer right there. <laughs> cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, go go check it out, everyone. But the the, uh, the, the blog in particular is called Reverse Engineering Speed Racer. And, and I've mentioned a couple uh, of, of the pod, previous podcasts that me and Mitch have done. So yeah, you can check that out, too. Go check it out. Learn some big words. It's a, it's a real <laughs> treat. But uh, along those lines, uh, for those of you who haven't had the opportunity yet, uh, you can tweet us. You can email us from the Red Room. At the Red Room, I think, is how the Twitter thing works. <laughs> That's where we are. Visit the website, uh, fromtheredroom.com. Uh, this has been... Guillermo, my throw down of the fourth. And Mitch Proctor. Thanks for joining us for Reflections from the Red Room. Have a good night. <laughs>